0: Today's episode is brought to you from the Russell, a historic East Nashville church transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind boutique hotel. The Russell's mission is to give back to the Nashville community through their Rooms for Rooms program by donating a portion of your stay to local organizations who provide a safe haven for those in need in the Nashville community. I mean, seriously, what more can you want? This hotel is beautiful and they give back. Come on, visit the Russell Nashville to book your experience today. That's R-U-S-S-E-L-L-Nashville.com to book your experience today. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This It's Different, hosted by yours truly, Riley Nelson. You guys It is a new year and I just released a uh, bonus mini episode. So I hope that you went ahead and listened to that. Um, You got all the tea on my hometown drama. Not even really hometown drama, more just like things that were going on with me. If you want more content like that, you can subscribe on Spotify um, and you can sign up for a monthly subscription to This Hits Different. What it is, is you will pay $5 a month, and I will release extra content just for you. And that will come out on the off weeks when I don't release an episode. So every single week, if you buy the $5 subscription, you will get content from me and me personally. You will get the funny stories, you'll get the inside scoop, and you'll get everything completely unfiltered. So if you liked this past bonus episode, There will be more to come like it and it is going to be on Spotify and it's going to be $5 a month every month and it's a recurring fee of $5. Let me make that very clear because I just got scammed from a stupid company and they were charging me $50 a month and they did not make it clear when I bought a course from them that they were going to be charging me every single month for the next six months. So I do want to make it clear It is a subscription for every single month. It's only $5, and I'm going to be putting out a lot more content. So if you want more than just every other week, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. You will get content from me every single week, and you'll get bonus episodes. You'll get behind-the-scenes stories. You will get all of the inside scoop. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can go check that out. Like I said, it's on Spotify and i am now doing video content apparently i think i'm going to just keep doing it i've always had video content on youtube of just my interviews but i believe i'm going to be making the full episodes available on video as well so that's super exciting and it's a fun upgrade right now i am literally just on instagram live and that is my what i use i use the live footage and i will edit that with my audio And then that's what I use to release the episodes. But I really, really want to move into like more professional. I want to get camera equipment to actually do the podcast recordings because I want it to look professional. I want it to be more professional than it is right now. Right now, I just don't have the funds to do so, which is okay. Like it happens, but we're growing and we want to look more professional. So speaking of growing... Share This Hits Different wherever you get your podcast. Um, Send it to the group chat. Share it to your friends. If you want the inside scoop, if you want tips on dating, tips and tricks and advice, if you want to hear from your favorite musicians, send them this podcast and send it to your friends. Um, I cannot thank you guys enough for sharing and telling people about it. I have started to notice my numbers going up on Anchor and it really just means the world to me. And I want to thank you dearly from the bottom of my heart, and I want to tell you to keep sharing. So, because it's just me this episode, and I just ranted last week about my life, I really don't have much to say for this intro, so we are going to get right into this episode. So, I had a guest booked originally for today, and they canceled on me last minute, which it's frustrating, but, you know, they seem to have had a good reason, so I don't know. We'll see. But... I didn't want to go another week without releasing an episode because it's been a while. I've been on break a while, and I'm ready to get back into it. So I'm going to do an episode completely by myself. Not a mini episode, not a bonus episode, a full-on episode. Season 2, episode 1, featuring Riley Nelson. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's just going to be me today. And I've never recorded a podcast completely by myself, especially not an educational one. This is something new for me. It's nerve-wracking. But we're going to get along and we're going to do it together and y'all are going to help me. So my topic this week is going to be 2023 dating predictions. I think it's a very fitting topic. I feel like I probably should have done this a little bit like earlier into the year. But you know what? We still have like 12, 11 and a half more months. So I think we're good. To start off, um, Bumble has released a bunch of data with 2023 predictions and dating trends. So I wanna like talk about those and we'll just deep dive into each, each topic. So the first one is that physical preferences will look different. People typically have a type when it comes to dating and in 2023, people think, people typically have a type when it comes to dating and in 2023, they are predicting that people will be more open-minded to not just going for their type. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's good to like expand your options when it comes to dating because if you're so focused on a certain type or a certain looking person you're limiting yourself so like why would you limit yourself in something you could meet somebody that's just as great if not better and they might not be your physical type but like that doesn't mean that they're discredited and I think that's something that's so important nowadays is like people have types and they're like very specific and they will not like falter on it or anything like that. And I think it's important to keep an open mind. And instead of having a physical type as to what kind of person you're looking for, I think it's better. And I think that we are moving towards a place where it should be a more emotional type. Like, what are their emotional and, like, what are their characteristics? Are they kind? Are they, you know, rather than focusing on the physical outside appearance, what does their inside appearance look like? And I think that that's very important. I think that that's something that we're going to see a lot more of in 2023. According to Bumble, more than one-third of people, a.k.a. 38%, are now more open to dating beyond their typical physical type. 28% are less concerned about dating and the type of person that others expect. And even further, 63% of daters are now looking for emotional maturity before physical looks. And that is so important, and that's on my personal list, is I want somebody who is emotionally aware I don't want somebody who gaslights me, who manipulates me, who can't admit when they're wrong. And I also don't want somebody who cannot take, who cannot take criticism and who like aren't self-aware. I would say for me personally, like self-awareness is like one of the biggest things in any relationship I have. Like if you can't look at yourself and like realize that you have flaws, how can you function with another, with another human being? So the next one is there will be more boundary setting in 2023. And that does not surprise me one bit because we're all in therapy. Therapy is all about teaching us how to set boundaries, how to be better for ourselves, and how to allow people to treat us. You know, because you teach people how to treat you. And I think that that's something that's so important that we don't talk about enough is the way that you let people treat you is how they will. And so if you let someone walk all over you, they're going to continue doing that. You're letting them do that. You need to learn how to set your boundaries. You need to learn how to say no. And you need to learn that it's okay to not always say yes. You don't have to do everything. And that's something I I do myself. Like I am such a yes man. I'm such a people pleaser. And it's very important that we learn to set boundaries. More than half of Bumble respondents set more boundaries over the past year. Those boundaries considered their emotional needs. Sixty-three percent allowed them to be more intentional about who, allowed them to be more intentional about how they put themselves out there. Fifty-nine percent, and protected them from over-committing socially. Fifty-three percent. Single people are taking control of their dating lives, and they are establishing what works and what does not work for them in a romantic connection. In 2023. Daters will be looking for balance. That one is really interesting. Um, I think a big part of setting boundaries is also, like, protecting your peace and creating balance because if you don't set boundaries with work, work will consume you. If you don't set boundaries with your family, your family will consume you. If you don't set boundaries with yourself, you will consume you. So it's very important to always set boundaries to be able to have balance and I think a lot of people now are looking to have more of a work-life balance I think that's something that we will be seeing a lot when it comes to the workforce especially within the next five years I think that we have a huge shift coming because people are realizing that they don't want to work their whole lives they want to actually live they want to travel they want to see the world and you're seeing companies such as Airbnb and Tesla really incentivize their employees to go do those things. So why wouldn't that be the same when it comes to dating? So according to Bumble, the balance between work, life, and relationships will be more important to daters in 2023. 49% of responders are prioritizing their own work and life balances. 13% will no longer date someone who has a very demanding job. 52% of people are actively creating more space for breaks and rest in their lives. 54% 54% of people care more about their partner's work life balance than they do their partner's career status. I, that is so important because if you're dating someone and they have no balance with their work in life, it can be so draining as somebody who is dating that person. If your partner is constantly at work all the time, you are forced to be with the kids. You're forced to clean. You're forced to like do all the things. And it can become really stressful can become really overwhelming and it can make you become really resentful, especially when one partner has to prioritize their career over their family. And I think that that's something that people are looking for now when it comes to early stages of dating because people don't want to be in that situation 5, 10 years down the line. you know. And if someone's already so wrapped up in their work now, there's going to be no balance 10 years from now. So another thing that I found pretty fascinating with the study of Bumble is that connections will span across multiple cities. We're going to start seeing more long-distance relationships in 2023. Because of the post-COVID lockdowns, people are still prioritizing traveling and exploring the world. This has gotten easier as companies allow remote work. Did I not just say that, what, five minutes ago? Companies are starting to prioritize their employees to actually live their life. And you can do that through remote working. And we have learned that through the COVID pandemic. So people now have the freedom to work from anywhere, which is allowing people to travel more. And because they're traveling more, they're meeting more people, and they are meeting potential partners and spouses in new cities. And I think it's really cool. I mean, obviously I don't think long distance is ideal, but nowadays with technology, it makes it a lot easier. And on that note, 33% of daters are now more open to relationships with people who are not in their current city. I would agree with that because I would say I'm the same. You know, maybe like two or three years ago, I would be like absolutely not to a long-distance relationship. But now when I think about long-distance relationships, I'm actually a lot more open to them than I anticipated I would ever be. And I think that's because I like my space. I'm a very independent person. So I feel like long distance could be good for me because I even get annoyed with my friends if they're like all over me too much and if they're always there or wanting too much from me. So I think that that would be really good for me personally. I don't know for sure. I've never done long distance and I know it's not the best and I know whenever you find the right person, you want to be with them all the time. But I think it's something that I could potentially see myself doing. All right, the next one is men are rejecting common stereotypes. Men have been getting more introspective about their gender roles. 74% of men on Bumble say that they've examined their behavior more over the last year. 52% are actively challenging stereotypes that suggest that men should not show emotions. 38% now speak more openly about how they're feeling with their male friends. And this reflection is translating into their dating lives. 49% of men are agreeing to break gender roles in dating and relationships. I put this actually in my personal prediction before I even read this one, but that's okay. I think that therapy is changing society for the better. I think that starting, I would say, maybe around like 2018, maybe even as early as 2016, but I really feel like it was like 2018, 2019, therapy is becoming more valuable. It's something that people, it's becoming, it's, Therapy has become destigmatized. Um, I think even like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, people thought if you were seeing a therapist, you were crazy and you had severe mental issues and it wasn't something that people talked about openly. Now in today's culture, we've really opened up to therapy and everyone talks about it all the time. You hear it on podcasts, you hear it on social media and not only that, but therapy can be extremely expensive and, Number one, a lot of employers are adding it to insurance benefits, which I I think is amazing because your mental health, in my opinion, is so much more important than your physical health. I think that might be a little taboo. I guess it depends on, like, you know, how bad the physical health is. But personally, for me, when my mental health declines, my physical health declines. Does that make sense? So when I'm really not taking care of myself, like mentally, it starts to show in me physically. Like I start becoming more run down. I'm not sleeping good. I'm not as energized. I'm not going to work out. I'm not wanting to do things to take care of my body. I'm not cooking or eating good. And so because of therapy and because of how accessible we have made it, I mean, you can literally find podcasts with therapists and you can listen to live podcasts therapy sessions. You can listen to therapists and you can listen to psychologists. You can listen to teachings. And because that is so accessible now, I think that it is really changing our society for the better. Obviously, there's a lot that needs to change in society. And I think that we are really moving towards positive change. But as people are discovering therapy and we are starting to break those gender roles and gender norms, I believe that dating is going to become significantly better especially for women in the next few years because men are finally now starting to catch up to the curve that like women have created because I feel like women like we listen to self-help books we buy self-help books we buy relationship books we listen to relationship podcasts we listen to self-help podcasts like we go to therapy like women have really been putting in the work I feel and Not that men aren't, but I think that there was a little bit of a dip with men, and I think that men are finally starting to catch up. So I think in the next few years, as societal norms are being broken and we are crushing toxic masculinity, I think that the dating culture is going to get significantly better for most people. New single people will be on the market. This is something that's really interesting because a lot of people broke up during the COVID pandemic. I don't know if it was the closeness of people. I don't know if it was the stress of an illness. I'm not quite sure. But 39% of people on Bumble have ended a marriage or a serious relationship in the past two years. 36% of those people are now using dating apps for the first time. More people are learning to navigate what dating now looks like. I mean, that's kind of like, it's not shocking, but it is. It is really sad that you know, long-term and long-term relationships and marriages have crumbled because of the pandemic. That being said, I think that it is going to bring new people into the dating market. And I think it could be a good thing. The next prediction for 2023 is that daters will speak more candidly about sex. Sex has been destigmatized and I believe that it's for the better. Sex and exploring what you want from your sex life is becoming increasingly important to daters. Just over 40% are now approaching sex and intimacy in an open and exploratory way, with 53% saying it's important to discuss sexual wants and needs early in a relationship. 20% of people are saying that they've explored their sexuality more this past year. When it comes to sex, I think that it is so important to talk about sex early on in a relationship, especially before you get into a relationship and especially before you get married. I think it's so important to talk about what you want your sex life to look like in the future. I think it's important to talk about the things that you're okay with doing, the the things you're okay with trying, and then the things that you are absolutely not okay with doing or trying. It just all goes with therapy. Like, sex and intimacy is, it's one of the necessities of life, and people, you know, in, in relationships connect through sex, and I think that I think that people talking more candidly about sex is amazing in the fact that we are breaking the societal norms that have always been around sex. So up until recently, you didn't talk about sex publicly. Especially not women. Like men talked about sex all the time. Sex, you know, you hear of all these young boys and, you know, by the time they reach thirteen or fourteen, they're introduced to porn okay. I'm sorry, by the time they reach 8 to 13, they're introduced to porn for the first time. And we teach men that it's okay to be sex positive, and we also teach men that it's okay to explore their sexuality and explore sex, maybe not as much their sexuality, but explore sex. And we don't teach the same to women. As young women, you just are taught to not have it. And yes, there is a lot more caution that women need to take because there's a lot more responsibility because we are the ones that really have to face the consequences of sex so I think birth control has really opened the door for a lot of women um and I think women's sexual health is something that is pretty new like We've always kind of known about it, but they haven't really done studies. And I don't know if it's because scientists don't care. I don't know if it's because most doctors at the time were male and now we're having more female doctors. I'm not quite sure as to why that's happening, but until, let's see, until recently, like we are now starting to actually look into women's sexual health and reproductive and what that actually means. So for example, when (laughs) I'm just going to talk about my own personal story. When I started my period um i was kind of a late bloomer i started in like 7th or 8th grade and i had really really bad really heavy periods and i went to the doctor and my doctor just told me to get on birth control and you know it was something at the time that was new to me it was scary and we also didn't have the research that we have now so i got on birth control and i've been on birth control ever since and Up until a few months ago, I really started looking into healing your periods naturally. Um, I've been on birth control for so long that I didn't even know what my body was like without it. So I I decided a few months ago that I was going to get off of it and I was going to see what the differences were. So I got off my birth control a few months ago and some things I've noticed. My hormones are finally learning how to self-regulate, but I'm having acne now whereas I've never had acne before because my hormones have always been suppressed. So I'm starting to deal with acne because of it, which isn't the end of the world, but you know, it's whatever. My libido is extremely high. I notice men a lot more and men notice me more, which I think is fascinating because whenever it comes to like pheromones and the science behind it all, birth control actually blocks that. So naturally cycling women physically become more attractive when they're ovulating in order to attract a male partner. I'm sorry, not just a male partner, but in order to attract, just in general, a partner. And it goes back to reproductive. It goes back to, like, caveman science and, like, mammals and shit. But I've noticed, for me, like, there are times of the month when I am so horny, and I realize that those are the times that I'm ovulating. But also in those times, like, I don't know if it's me, I don't know what, but, like, men are more attracted to me. and I. It's not a conspiracy at this point. It's literally science. Like, they've discovered that women become more physically attractive while ovulating in order to attract a partner. So I think that's so fascinating. And I don't even know how I got on this topic about birth control. I guess we were talking about candidly about sex. Yeah, so women are having more sex now, which isn't a bad thing. Women are having more sex now, which is not a bad thing. And we are starting to have more open conversations about sex. And I think that is very important um, especially, you know, with rape culture and everything, um, I think it's important to be open and candid, and have good and healthy communication and boundaries. And lastly, of the the last thing that Bumble has predicted for twenty twenty three is that people are destigmatizing the taboo topic of money. Money has always been a very controversial topic. It's always been known that you don't ask your coworkers how much they make. You don't ask everyone how much they make. You don't talk about finances. You don't talk about investing. You don't talk about all of that. And personally, I love to talk about finances. I think that it's so fascinating. I love to learn more about it. I've recently gotten into investing, and I want to learn how to be financially independent one day because, I mean, obviously, like, I'm still kind of on my parents, but, like, they're weaning me off of their paycheck, and – That's okay, And I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed that I had my parents help. I am. But I want to get to the point where I can buy my own house. I want to be able to have businesses that work for me and they self run. So, for instance, like I want to invest in properties. And if I meet a person who doesn't want to do that and wants to be frugal or wants to be like cheap with their money, that's not my person. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But people who are dating in 2023 encounter more honest conversations about money with their dates. 28% of people report that they are setting financial boundaries in their dating lives. These conversations might be about what people are comfortable spending. Dates are getting less elaborate as well. This is what I find so interesting. 32% of people are less impressed by over-the-top first dates. 57% of people are more interested in casual dates than something fancy. I have been saying this on my TikTok account forever. Men or women or whoever is taking somebody else on a date, number one, if you invite them to be your guest, number one, you are paying. If you ask somebody to go on a date with you, you are paying. It doesn't matter the race. It doesn't matter the gender. It doesn't matter your sexuality. If you ask someone else to accompany you on a date, you are paying. And you are responsible for that. And I will die on that hill. You cannot convince me otherwise. That being said, dates don't have to be expensive. They don't need to break the bank. And honestly, like, if I go on a first date with a guy and he's, like, really trying over the top, personally, I'm going to be pretty sketched out. I feel like it's just, like, if you're just trying to flex for me and, like, make me think that you're, like, have money and you're rich, like, it's just not attractive. Like, for me, and I would say for most people, if you just show that you put an effort and thought into a date, that is all you need. Like, you could literally take somebody on a picnic date, and as long as you brought a blanket and maybe some snacks, it could, it, that could literally be a $10 date, and you meet up in a park and you do a picnic. That is so much better than going to a bougie restaurant where it's loud, you can barely talk, you're in a time commitment because if you go to dinner with somebody you are on you you've committed to time with them and let me tell you from experience it is so awkward if you realize really quickly into that date that you are not interested in this person because now you have committed to like a 2 hour date because you got to get food you got to get drinks and all the things like i so much prefer doing a quick date like i would love to like meet up with someone at a happy hour grab a drink call it a day. You know, especially with first dates and online dating, I don't want a long first date. Like I want like 45 minutes max. I just think that that's the most important because long dates are so exhausting. They're so draining. And I think after 45 minutes, you'll know whether or not you want to see the person again. And then it just makes you crave them even more. Listen to this. If you don't hear anything else I say, Dating does not need to be that expensive. Just put some thought into it. Put some effort, and that will be more than enough. Okay, <laughs> I'm done with my little rant on, <laughs> on um money and dating on Bumble. I want to talk about my personal predictions. My first one, and this actually was kind of proven on the Bumble, which I'm kind of annoyed about because I didn't read the full article. So whatever, but um, I predicted this. My prediction is that men will become more introspective and begin to work on themselves as women have. This means that people are doing therapy. I think that men are getting tired of hookup culture. They have been seeing way too many options, especially on dating apps and social media. I think that men are going to start peeling back, and I think they're going to start looking into themselves instead of being like looking outwards for validation and for, I mean, instead of looking outwards for validation, I think that men are going to start looking inwards. And I think that's really important, um, especially when it comes to our dating world, because we do have a lot of options. And it's really hard to choose a partner when we see everything and we're always looking for better and bigger and the best. And you're never going to find anybody that meets every single one of your dating – you're never going to find anybody that meets every single one of your dating checklist. And that's okay because people grow, people change, and they evolve. And your dating needs and your relationship needs are going to change and evolve as you change and evolve. And so I think from personal conversations that I've had with a lot of men in my life, a lot of them have admitted that they are now in therapy and they're tired of the hookup culture. Um, some guys have said that as a way to get in my pants, which is Kind of counterproductive, but I have talked with men more because I host a dating podcast. And when I enter, or like if the podcast comes up when I'm talking to most guys and they ask what it's about, I say dating, I automatically turn into their dating therapist. Um, I don't know how, and let me just say now I have no credibility whatsoever. I am not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I have done studies on dating I listen to a lot of dating podcasts and I have a lot of opinions. So that's where I feel I am qualified to talk about this. But when I talk with men about it, they always tell me the same things is like, they're tired of looking for the next. Like they want to settle down. They want someone who is all about them, you know? So, and I think everybody wants that. Like you want someone who wants you. And, I think men are finally starting to see that. I think that they had a field day for a little bit. And I think that now they're starting to slow down in terms of going on dates and hookups and all of that. My next prediction for 2023, this might be controversial, but I think that porn viewership will go down this year, especially in men. So the reason I say this and the reason I believe this is because people are realizing how damaging porn can actually be for young men and boys and grown men. Um, I think that young men are, not I don't even want to say young men, boys are being pushed into viewing porn, and we're starting to see data suggesting that young boys are starting to watch porn as early as eight years old. And let me just tell you, no eight-year-old has any business watching porn. And the reason I say that is because porn is getting more and more aggressive, particularly towards the woman. And data is starting to show that most porn, especially that is consumed by men, is very rough and violent towards women. And we're starting to see, like, stories, and I'm starting to hear, like, personal stories come out of, like, women having first sexual encounters with men. And... It's extremely violent. It's extremely rough. And I think that because men have watched porn for so long, they create this image in their head that they think that women want. And they think that women want to be hit. And they want to be slapped. And they want to be pushed around in the bed. And choked. And, you know, all these super aggressive things. And don't get me wrong. I love a light choke. But everything is getting so rough and violent that, I think that it's up to us as young adults and I think it's up to women as mothers to protect kids from that. And I think that a lot of people are starting to face the fact that there is a porn addiction. And if you think about it, if you start masturbating as a young boy at eight years old, by the time you're 18, you have struggled with 10 years a porn addiction. And I don't even know for sure, like, I don't wanna say, like, it's just full, like, porn addiction, cause that, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of young men are now struggling to be able to have sex with women because they have only ever masturbated to porn, which I think is so fascinating and also terrifying. But, like, they've been watching porn for, you know, eight to 10 years by the time they become sexually active. And they're struggling with real women to actually get off without using violent porn. So I think that's something that will decrease because as these studies and this data is coming out, I think people are starting to realize how damaging porn can actually be. And I think it's damaging in how men perceive women. And... Also, there's a lot coming out about the porn industry is that it's not super ethical and I think that we need to do better and we need to be better about sourcing ethical porn. I don't think porn should be gone at all. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching porn every now and then. But I think that we need to be able to learn how to fantasize and I think that's an important muscle to have and I think that porn takes that out. Um Because you're not using that muscle because, like, you're getting visual stimulation rather than mental stimulation. So, I think that it's really important that we, as a society, start demanding more from the porn industry. Because I'm tired of hearing stories of people being raped, of people being sold into it, of people not giving their consent. So, I think it's important that we start looking into more ethical porn. And, yeah, that's what I have to say on that. My next personal prediction is I think that people are going to be a little bit more fatigued with dating and hooking up as they have been. I think that people are genuinely starting to look for more meaningful relationships. I think that hookup culture was fun for a little bit. And I think people are now realizing that we're over it. Like hookup culture is such a temporary fix to a bigger problem in my opinion because you are filling a void with something physical that you need to learn how to f- fill emotionally. Because instead of looking internally to try to figure out, like, why you're feeling that void, you just fill it with another person. And, like, literally, you fill it with another person. Um, <laughs> That was vulgar, but it's true. It's important to, yeah, so like I said, people are fatigued with going on dates. Um, Going on dates three times a month can be very draining. My next one. My prediction is that situationships will drastically decline. Because we have been able to give the situationship a name, um, I think that we have taken away its power. Because when I was in a situationship back in high school, there was not a term for it. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know what I was experiencing. I felt like I was crazy. And by getting actual textbook definitions of these terms... It has helped me so much in my dating life. So when I was in high school, um, I was in a on and off situationship. Um, I was being gaslit all the time. I was being love bombed. I was being love bombed and I was being completely manipulated. And when I was going through that, I felt crazy. Like I literally thought I had lost my mind. I was like, why does this person have so much power over me? Um, Turns out they had kind of worn down my self-confidence they had it was that um like chemical love potion that I had because he would come on so hot and heavy I would get a ton of dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and then he would just pull back and disappear and it went on like this for far too long um he would also like love bomb me where he would call me in the middle of the night and just like confess his love for me and then like tell everyone about it. And it was extremely, extremely manipulative. And it was extremely toxic. When I was going through it at the time, I thought I was crazy. I felt completely invalidated in what I was feeling. And I didn't understand why he was doing it or how or how I had allowed it to happen. And through learning about dating and like listening to other podcasts and through therapy, I've come to realize that being given the tools to accurately describe what is going on is so important. So, you know, at the time when I didn't know what he was doing, now I can look at it and I'm like, oh, he was gaslighting me. He was love bombing me. He was breadcrumbing me. Those are the things that have given me power now and it's given me the opportunity to be able to call those things out when I see them. Because we have the vocabulary now, to talk about these issues, I firmly believe that situationships are going to drastically decline, if not completely go away, because people are tired, we know what it is, we know the game now, we have words for the actions, and for everything, so I think that because we can call it out, and we can see it how it is, I think that people are, and I think that the situationships are drastically going to decline. And I also think that goes with setting boundaries because you're not going to allow someone to treat you like that anymore. My next prediction um, is going to be that working with a matchmaker is going to become less taboo because matchmakers have no financial skin in the game. Here's the thing. Dating apps, they want users. Dating apps have sold advertisements and the way that advertising works, you put it out there, and you put it in front of a bunch of people, and you get paid to do so. Why would Bumble want you to meet your match and then leave the app forever? They don't. They need you to come back, and they need you to keep scrolling and keep swiping for ad revenue, something I bet you never thought about before. That being said, matchmakers do not have that incentive. A matchmaker's credibility is whether or not the relationships that they have curated are successful what that means is matchmaking has become a big business since the early days of online dating these services build on high complexity algorithms and personality tests they are quite expensive they will generate the most revenue in the market so yes you do have to pay for it but people are paying for subscriptions with dating apps people are paying for dates People are willing to pay when it comes to meeting their person. So why invest in something that will just get you to come back versus investing in something that will give you the return that you were looking for tenfold? So with, uh, with matchmakers, like they have systems, they have online questionnaires, they have things in place that help generate people who could be good fits for you whether it's a financial thing. Do you all have the same financial goals? Do you have the same life goals? Do you want to be uber successful? Or do you want to have a family and, you know, live a good life? And matchmakers can answer those questions. They can set you up and put you in front of the right kind of people. So I think that matchmaking is going to become less taboo. I feel like People don't talk about it and people are like embarrassed to say that they work with a matchmaker. But I think starting in 2023, you're really going to see a huge boom in that business. Here is my advice for dating in 2023. Number one, always assume that people like you. I live by this mantra that I have created in my head. I don't know if it's real. I don't know. But I always say this, and I think that this is a Decent way to live my life. I personally feel like people either love me or they hate me. And there is no in between. I don't feel like people are kind of like, and I'm sure that this is like, they probably are, but like, I don't feel like anyone it to- feels mid towards me. I feel like people are either obsessed with me and they love me or they hate me. And there is no in between on the spectrum. And I know that that's probably not true, but this is why it works for me. The people that love me and the people that I perceive to love me, it opens me up so much more and I am willing to invest more into that relationship. The people that I assume hate me and don't like me, I don't even waste my breath on anymore. I used to just sit there and, like, try to be such a people pleaser and I used to try to, like, really get the people that don't like me to, like, finally like me and, I just don't feel that way anymore. I don't think there's any point. Like, why would I focus on the people who I don't think like me when I can focus on the people who I know do? I put all my energy towards people who invest in me. Why would I try to put my energy towards somebody who wants nothing to do with me? And that's with dating. That's with friendships. That's with work and boundaries. So take that how you will, I guess. (laughs) Okay, my next piece of advice for dating in 2023... Do check-ins with your partner. And if you don't have a partner, do check-ins with your friends. Start adding it to your monthly to-do list. Every month, check in on your friends. Check in on someone that you haven't talked to in a long time. And just reach out and see how they're doing. Because things like that go a really long way, especially if someone is struggling mentally. It's important to check on the people around you and love on the people around you. So check in with them. See how you can help. And I think when it comes to dating, it's super important because checking in to see where they are in the relationship, where they are with you. And I think it's important to learn how to step back from that and not just be so consumed on the good. Um, Because sometimes check-ins, like, aren't always great. Like, sometimes maybe your partner is missing something from you. And if you don't communicate that, they can't fix it. Next, discuss early on in a relationship what cheating means to you. And I want it, and it, this needs to be an open conversation because your partner needs to tell you what cheating means to them and you need to tell your partner what cheating means to you. And this goes for everybody. Um, if you want to have an open relationship, that is completely fine. But communicate that. And, You know, if you're in an open relationship, then, like, you need to have those boundaries of what is okay and what is not. And if you're not in an open relationship, what are things that are really important to you? Like, is emotional cheating cheating? Do you consider it to be cheating? Is physical cheating cheating? If I kiss someone out at a bar, do you consider that cheating? If I go on a date with someone, do you consider that cheating? Like, it's so important early on to discuss the things that you see as cheating. If you're liking a bunch of Instagram models, do you see that as cheating? Some people will say yes, some people will say no. If you're watching porn, do you consider that to be cheating? Some people will say yes, some people will say no. It's so important early on to have good and clear communication with your partner on what cheating means because everybody has a different definition and in order to have a healthy relationship, you need to talk openly about that. All right, and the last piece of dating advice in 2023 is make a list of the things that you want in your partner. This is so important, especially if you're single, write out the things that you are looking for in a person, and maybe you know just make a really, really long list as, of as many things as you can think of. And then go through and pinpoint which of those things are the most important to you. I decided that I would share my personal list of things that I am looking for in a partner, so that way you can get a good idea. I want somebody who is emotionally available. So I want someone who is genuinely looking for a real relationship. I want someone who is looking for, I don't know if I want to say a wife, but I am dating with intent. And I want to have somebody who is also dating with intent. Um, I don't know necessarily that the first person I date, I want to marry, but I want to start focusing more on how I'm dating and the kind of people that I'm dating. I want a man who pursues me and I'm gonna say like for like my personal dating things I am a straight woman so I am gonna say like the kind of man that I want but I think that this can apply to any gender. I want someone who always puts in the work with me and I don't want them to ever feel like they have me and they're secure. I want to always feel pursued and I get that from my parents. My parents still love each other so much. My dad still brings my mom flowers. And I think that's so important. That's something that I want in a life partner is like, I want a man who always will pursue me. He always makes me feel special. And he doesn't make me feel like I'm just an option. Like, I want to feel like I am the only one. I want to feel secure in my relationship. I don't want to feel like I have to constantly ask him for validation or ask him to not talk to other women. Like, I just want somebody that is all about me. And I will be all about them too. My next one is I want a man who is kind. I think that kindness is very different from being nice. I believe that anybody can be nice. I do not believe that everybody can be kind. I want someone who genuinely loves people. I want him to want to help others. I want him to not even bat an eye when it comes to random acts of kindness during the day. So like if someone spills a drink, he's the first to offer a napkin. Like, that's the kind of person that I want. I want someone who is kind. I also want a man who is gentle, but I want, like, okay, this is what I this is what I put. I want a man who is gentle yet firm. I don't know how to explain what this means, but, like, I want him to be, like, very masculine, and I want him to be strong, and I want him to, like, know his strength, but not necessarily use it unless it's needed. But, like, if that makes sense. Like, I want a man who, like, can fuck you up, but has enough patience to not. Does that make sense? I hope that does. The next thing is I want a man who is self-sufficient. I don't want to feel like a mother. I don't want to feel like the man I'm dating is a kid. Um, I don't want to have to take care of him. Um, I want him to be able to take care of himself. I'm so tired of like hearing stories about men who don't know how to unload the dishwasher. And I want to feel like a 50-50 partner. I don't want to feel like I'm having to take care and cook and clean after someone. That's not what I am looking for. And another thing I want in a man is I want a man who is driven. I have a lot of my own personal goals and I have a lot of things that I want to accomplish in my life. And I want someone who is pushing me and also doing their own thing. You know, I don't want someone who is just thinking about me 24 seven. I want someone who is pursuing something bigger than himself the same way that I am pursuing something bigger than myself. Um, And I think that, I want someone who has aspirations, you know? And I want to be both, like, killing it in whatever industry we are in, but then we get to, like, come together at the end of the day and, like, be together. So, yep. Um, And then lastly, I want someone who brings value to my life. I don't ever want to – I don't want anything in my life to subtract, whether that's friends, a relationship, a job. I want everything in my life and in my energy to add. So I want to be with someone who I feel like brings value, not takes away value. That is the last thing on my list. So if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please rate and review. That is all I have on my 2023 dating predictions. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you have any questions or comments or any just like crazy dating stories, please write them in. You can go on my website, different. And at the bottom of this website, you can submit stories and they will be sent to my email and we can share them on the podcast. We can talk about it. And yeah, I'm really excited for what 2023 looks like this year. I really want to have a meaningful relationship this year. And i kind of feel like this is my year. I say that every year and I have since 2016. But you know what? This year is different. New year, new me, 2023, baby. Thank you guys for listening. I love y'all. Bye. Today's episode was edited and produced by Aiden McKernan. You can find him on Instagram at Aiden C. McKernan. Um, He will also be linked below in the show notes. The This Hits Different theme song was produced by Zach Jordan. You can find him on Instagram at Zach.JRDN. He will also be linked below in the show notes. Today's episode was written and hosted by me, Riley Nelson. And you can find me on Instagram at Riley Nelson 18. I know I just said that 10 minutes ago, but here we are. Thank you guys so much for listening.